It's time for Love Talk with the Love Ladies, Kathy, Carrie, and Marley. Hello, friends, and welcome to Love Talk. You have found the Love Ladies today, right here on KTXW, The Bridge, Austin, 101 FM and 1120 AM where we are building bridges of love and leadership. I am Coach Carrie Brinkater, and I am in studio with two beautiful love ladies. Hello, Kathy Anderbrock. Hi, Coach Carrie. It's great to be with everyone this morning. Love being in Texas. A little bit hot, but right. hey, moving through it. Marlene, it's great to have you sitting next to me. Thank you. <laughs> I'm looking at you because you said it's a little bit hot. It isn't at all hot yet. <laughs> We're early into the summer. You're right, right. I know. It does get smoking hot here, though. At least it's a little overcast today. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. I sure. love that. Well, friends, how's your week been? I mean, has it been a good week? Has it been a challenging week? We know that we love spending time with you each Saturday morning. And, you know, sometimes we just hear so much bad news on the airwaves and um, on the news. I, I find it hard to even watch the news anymore, frankly. And it's easy to get pulled into thinking that the world's gone a bit crazy, right? Um, but there are wonderful people in this community that serve others every single day. Our program today is called Bringing Hope into Crisis. And we are going to be joined by um, a friend of ours from the Austin Disaster Relief Network, otherwise known as ADRN. And you've probably, if you listen to other radio stations here in the Austin area, you've probably heard about ADRN. They are all over the place. And we've had some significant natural disasters here over the last year and a half in Central Texas. And this um, beautiful community has come along beside and really um, helped out so many people. On average, every five days, someone in the greater Austin area suffers a disaster affecting their home or their apartment, a fire, a flood, um, or one of these, you know, tornadoes like we had um, earlier this spring. Today, we're going to learn about ADRN. They're a nonprofit organization comprised of nearly 200 greater Austin churches and thousands of trained volunteers who are bringing hope into crisis. Since 2009, ADRN has brought emotional, physical, and spiritual relief to more than 43,000 survivors. They've assisted and sponsored over 3,000 families and given an estimated $16 million in disaster relief funds. This organization is phenomenal. Well, sounds like they're making a difference. This is yeah. what I love. I love that God raises up leaders, raises up organizations that really go and meet people at their time of need. And it reminds me of the scripture um, that God is our ever-present help in time of need. Mm. And I think so often God ministers to us through others. And so, you know, friends, maybe you are a pastor of a church or you're a leader of a church and you say, well, this is fantastic. I want to join in on that. Mm -hmm. I want to be there as a church community uh, to meet people at their time of need, meet people when they are desperate and hurting and in shock and have and many times had everything stripped away from them and left them bare. Um, maybe you're a volunteer and you've been looking for something to do. Maybe a college student, you want it to get involved into serve in service of some sort. You're going to want to uh, hear about ADRN, how to connect with with ADRN and make them a part of your 2022-23 and ongoing service project. Right. That's so true. Now, Marlene, as we talk about natural disasters today and things that, that could potentially affect us and, and cause us to need uh, ADRN, have you ever been in a hurricane or a tornado or a flood? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I grew up in South Texas, and so we oh. went through many hurricanes, and there weren't the relief networks then. Based, I mean, I remember when I was in high school, uh, and I don't remember the name of the storm, but... Uh, there, virtually every house on my little cul-de-sac street 
was damaged. Mm-hmm. I mean, most were totally destroyed, not oh. not habitable. And I was standing on the front porch watching the storm because for some reason I liked doing that <laughs> until I saw my across uh, the street neighbor's house, just the roof just tear off like a page. <gasps> wow. And so oh. in that sen- instance, uh, we fortunately were fairly intact. Of course, we lost every window in the house, but uh, they were boarded up quickly. And uh, my mom just threw open the uh, freezer and we fed the entire neighborhood uh, just oh. because it was going to go bad anyway. We had no electricity. Right. So uh, I bet. Your mom would have done it anyway. You, Probably you from such a family of servants, of public servants. Maybe, but <laughs> but at the same time, I'm just saying that was the way we coped. Yeah. You know, more recently, uh, the ice storm of a, a little over a year ago. I was hit hard by I had, was down to studs in my house in five rooms, and it took oh, eight gosh. months to get a kitchen back seven months to get a bedroom back. So I know what it's like to live with that kind of trauma. Mm-hmm. And and even during Hurricane Harvey, my brother lost, uh, he had houses at the coast, and he lost both those houses at the coast. Totally. I mean, nothing. <laughs> well, I think so. it's amazing when you, when you talk about people in shock. I saw this firsthand with my parents when their house in the Sierra Grande fire in 2001 in uh, New Mexico, up in Los Alamos, New Mexico, the um, Sierra Grande fire burnt hundreds of homes down to the ground. And, I mean, my parents lost everything in that. It was, it was mm. tr- even the, um, their pots that were, uh, you know, those big pots that you would stick in the oven and cook all kinds of stuff in it. The fire was so hot, it melted those through. And wow. I, it, it was just oh, um, amazing. And um, so I, my parents were in such shock. My, they, neither of them could be out of each other's sight. They literally went around for, mm. gosh, almost a year where they were holding hands or they could see each other. They just, any sort of, you know, uh, separation mm-hmm. gave them both extreme anxiety. What about you, Coach Carrie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up in Houston, and so we, we weathered many storms. Um, uh, Hurricane Harvey, though, you know, a few years back, my my brother's wife grew up in a house, you know, and her mom still lived there. They had lived in the same home for over 40 years. It had never flooded. And when Hurricane Harvey came through, six feet of water in the house. Wow. Six feet of water. The line was at the top of my head. I mean, it was unbelievable. And so everything downstairs was disgusting. Um, I mean, we had to rip out all of the drywall. We had to, of course, the carpet, um, you know, cleaning kitchen cabinets and you know a lot of the kitchen cabinets were ruined because they had Mm -hmm. sat in that water and they were warped and we just had to rip them out um you know it was heartbreaking and you know living here in central texas as we drove down to houston to go help them clean that house and we drove into their neighborhood it was palpable the pain because the mounds of now trash that used to be beautiful homes was just piled in the streets, mm. piled in front yards. And you could barely get down the street because everyone was cleaning it out. All the doors were open. Um, and, and there were hundreds of people helping, lining the streets, family, friends, you know, and churches and just lining these streets in this neighborhood to clean these homes where people lost everything. Yeah, and that's such a feeling of violation when you lose things that can't be replaced, like pictures, for example. Childhood memories um, are just uh, items that have a historical significance. So it's, it's an organization like this who who enters in with the love of Christ and helps people in this real state of shock is amazing. And I can't wait to have our guest online and telling us all about 
Well, and you know, one of the things that I remember so clearly when this happened to my parents was that there was this uh, women's quilting club who got together and made all of these beautiful quilts and um, gave each family who had lost their home one of these quilts. And I couldn't believe how beautiful the gift was and how many hours it would have taken. And it completely shifted my mindset about helping others. That when we step out and we help others, we are not supposed to give them seconds. We are to give them our best. Mm. And I love the Austin Disaster Relief Network that they they partner with churches, 200 churches in the greater Austin area. And those churches give their best. They minister with their best. They pray with those families. They meet the physical needs and the emotional needs. And I think it changes the givers as well as the receivers. Absolutely. Absolutely. It it definitely does. You know, when we went down to help with Hurricane Harvey, it was our anniversary, my, mine and my husband's anniversary. And we weren't going to say a word, right? Like, it didn't matter. We were there to help my my family. And... um Somebody found out, well, the my mother-in-law, my, my sister-in-law's mother found out, and she was like, what? You're here on your anniversary? What? And I was like, well, absolutely. This is way more important than a date on the calendar, you know? Yeah. And you're right, Kathy. We were way more blessed by that than any dinner out, that's for sure. I'd like to go ahead and introduce our guest here real fast before we get into our second segment. His name is Stephen Brewer, and he is the Associate Director of the Austin Disaster Relief Network. He manages the ADRN Command Center in times of disaster and coordinates ongoing response efforts. He works closely with these more than 200 churches in the ADRN Network, building and maintaining relationships with pastors, liaisons, and church volunteers. Stephen joined the ADRN professionally in 2011, and he participated in disaster relief as a volunteer with Samaritan's Samaritan's Purse after Hurricane Ike in 2008. He finds the most reward in seeing the impact of ADRN's work on both survivors and and volunteers like we just talked about. He enjoys travel and outdoor activities such as camping, biking, and running, and he serves on the prayer team at the Austin Stone Community Church. When we return from our break, friends, you will meet Stephen Brewer of Austin Disaster Relief Network right after this. And welcome back, friends, to Love Talk here on KTXW, The Bridge, Austin, 101.1 FM and 1120 AM. Well, we are talking about bringing hope into crisis, the Austin Disaster Relief Network. And we have with us Stephen Brewer. So excited to talk with Stephen today. Stephen, thank you so much for being with us on Love Talk. It's my pleasure. Well, there is a question that we always start off with on Love Talk so that our listening friends can get to know you. Can you share with us, Stephen, how did you first come to know that Jesus loves you? Well, uh, yeah, I love sharing that story. And I love hearing others' stories, too, right? Because it's the story of life change and transformation for those who have truly been met in touch by his love. I grew up in a Christian home, uh, grateful for parents that know, have known and loved the Lord. Um, but, uh, but when I was young, they were separated. And so I kind of grew up more of in a single home, single parent. And, uh, just through that, just, um, man wandered, my heart wandered in my youth. And so, um, throughout my young years, there was no real true surrender to Jesus in my life. I, uh, went to church many a times, heard many, uh, good stories, right? But when it came down to it, I was not willing to give Jesus control of my life. I wanted to lead. I thought I knew what would bring me the greatest joy mm. and satisfaction in life. And so that led me into some troubled years in high school, uh, hanging around some wrong friends and doing some wrong things. Uh, and even into the first couple of years of college, I remember thinking um, in my transition between high school and college, um, now that I didn't have to go to church anymore, right? I was out on my own. I remember thinking, I am uh, such a disappointment to God. You know, I've made these promises somewhere along these years at moments where I'd feel guilty about what I had done, um, the sin that I had committed, the life I had lived, and I and I was just convinced 
um, that God wouldn't want to have anything to do with me, that I, um, that he must be so disappointed in me. And so because of that, I began to pull even further away. But what I know now is that couldn't have been further from the truth. You know, those are the lies the enemy wants to sow. So after living two years of college on my own, um, continuing that journey, that path, and, and a lifestyle pretty filled with sin, uh, I remember crying out to the Lord really somewhere around my 21st birthday, I think days after it, um, and uh, just really asking the Lord, if you offer abundant life, I want it. I don't know what that is, but I remember this claim that you happen to offer that. And if you truly offer abundant life, I want it. I'm done living for myself. I want to I want to live for you now. I give you the keys of my life. I receive the forgiveness that you give through the blood. And... Uh, and, and I want to live a life that's pleasing to you. And I just remember what was absolutely remarkable is I began to experience what the scripture calls uh, new birth, right? Being truly born again, born by his spirit. And um, everything began to change after that. You know, my desires began to change. The very nature um, that uh, of, of who he's called me to be began to change. My identity began to change. And it's just been a ride ever since. Wow, well, you have become an incredibly bright light for mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. And I love the places that he has sent you and the ways that he uses you. Um, you know, our key verse for today is let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. You know, with the Austin Disaster Relief Network, you do what you do to um, go and step out and help people in the name of Jesus Christ. People who are in shock, who are suffering, who have lost everything, who have nowhere to go, who are in desperate need. And you just step straight into their situation and you provide in so many ways physical support, emotional support. Um, and I just love the, your heart of, of compassion. And we want to ask you all about this. So mm-hmm. I, I just want to step in with this. You know, it, in Texas, we had this snowpocalypse in February of 21. This spring, we advanced, experienced a really devastating uh, tornadoes just north of Austin. And so talk to us about what is involved with this. What are the logistics when it comes to practically stepping in and assisting those in need? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, from the beginning, when God had given uh, Daniel Geraci, founder and director of ADR, and the vision for this, uh, we knew that it was really about addressing the needs of a whole person, uh, not just the physical needs, which those are the real needs and, and evident needs we see with our eyes, but the emotional as well as spiritual needs of a person. And so from the beginning, that's been our heart's desire. Now, how does one do that? Well, um, also what came with that vision was the church being the means through which uh, would bring the greatest amount of uh, um, hope and possibility and resource to the table to not just meet those needs short-term but long-term, see whole, not just lives, but communities transformed through the process of recovery. So it looked like us being united in our efforts as well as being trained in advance. And so training is a key element to what we churches and uh, those that are a part of those churches to be able to respond and step into um, disasters on a moment's notice and, and meet those real needs. From from a logistical standpoint, from an organizational standpoint, um, you know, it looks like us having relationships with local leaders and officials as this network of churches, because now uh, we end up serving them when we're not showing up as a bunch of different churches that want to help, but one organization, one entity, really representing a whole network of churches and resources. And because of the credibility and consistency and responding to several of the events that have taken place over the last really over a decade since this network is formed, um, again, there's, there's um, r- relational equity at the table for they know who we are when a disaster happens and they they would openly welcome and want the church at the table. And I think that just speaks volumes to just God's grace, his goodness and favor just resting upon this church network as we've put our hand out and stepped forward really to try to help those in the time of need. Um, by those relationships that we have in place, we're able to help organize and mobilize uh, resources and people. One of the uh, key elements that we uh, address or, or provide provision for, in addition to helping mobilize cleanup efforts uh, in these events, is uh, providing emotional care through our critical incident trained uh, uh, stress management 
trained volunteers. And so oftentimes that looks like uh, setting up like in the tornadoes recently at the Heritage Center at Dell Diamond with uh, tables in place and trained volunteers positioned to address emotional needs that people have, offering gift cards and resources to be able to get people back on their feet, whether it's, you know, free clothes at our Hope Family Thrift Store or, again, just a few hundred dollars in gift cards to help people get back on their feet in those first steps. But one of the most powerful things that we do is we offer to connect them to be supported by a local church. It's our number one goal in a time of response is connecting survivors that have lost everything with a local church to come alongside of them and walk with them. So, so that structure looks like small groups coming around families in need and simply being a friend to them and then connecting them to resources. Wow. That's, um, that's a lot more than, um, just providing a place to, to sleep, right? That is covering the whole person, like you said, emotionally. Now, um, Stephen, I know that back in the snowpocalypse of 21, you guys set up, um, a command center and mm-hmm. you ended up, uh, basically, I think you slept there for weeks on end, um, in order to, uh, to assist people and to, to manage that. Tell, tell us a little bit about what went into, to just helping during that crazy time. Oh man, it was wild, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> I think everybody felt it all across the city, or even the city leadership, right? They felt yeah. it just as much, if not more. And, uh, what was remarkable about this event is it wasn't on our radar and it really touched not only the whole city, but key infrastructures and elements that we depend upon. Things like water, things like power, things like transportation that we might all too often take for granted, um, but are suddenly limited or removed. And so one of the things back to the value of relationships with local leaders and city officials, one of the privileges that we have as this network, ADRN, is we get a seat to to sit in the emergency command center uh, here in Austin, the EOC, Emergency Mm -hmm. Operations Center. So when big scale disasters take place, they flip the lights on in that big room and they gather the chiefs of police and fire and roadworks and roadworks, and they've got them all in the same room, kind of making decisions at the highest level. And so we will typically have a couple of other key individuals in our organization representing there, but there was part of our key leadership was out with COVID that very week that that happened. So we've got people down on the team. And so I had stepped in because I was closest. I live very close uh, to the EOC. And so Daniel, you know, he told me, he said, you know, they're opening up the EOC. We don't really know what's going to happen, but, you know, take a book just in case (laughs) it's slow. You know, reading that. But needless to say, I never opened that book. Wasn't slow. Um, first night, I, I went home at about 11 o'clock. The next day, I showed up the next morning. And like you said, I didn't go home for days. I slept on a cot for a few hours a night, um, just day after day of really having to navigate through some really complex and challenging um, problems that our city was facing and being able to do it with them. I still remember when uh, some of the leadership there had kind of pulled me aside and said, what we're starting to see become evident, Stephen, is a need for transporting goods. Is it possible you could reach out to your network of volunteers to find people who drive 4 by 4 vehicles to help transport goods or people? And what started as kind of a side operation with, you know, a few dozen requests ended up turning into a massive operation where we're fulfilling hundreds of requests. Some of those are actually being handed to us by the local sheriff's department, EMS, and other entities that are simply have so many requests coming in that they're not able to meet them all. And so they have to prioritize based on need. And some of the, the lower scale requests of getting people from their homes to a shelter, we were able to help meet all across the city. One of the other elements, uh, just so beautiful, is this network of churches. Um, we were able to open up these warming centers. And so I remember a couple of incidences being right there in the EOC where um, uh, one of the shelters, for example, was at one of the schools, local AISD schools, that ended up losing power. And so they're like, well, you know, power's been off for hours now, and so we gotta we got to get buses over here. Capital Metro brought a bus, loaded people up, and they moved them to another school. They park in the parking lot of that school and find out that school has no water. Oh, no. And so here they are. They got a bus full of people, and they're like, we don't know where to take these folks. I got the call, and I said, we've got a warming shelter, one of the several churches that are open their doors. Lights are on, heat's on. I said, let me make a quick call in a matter of moments. We were sending this bus full of people down to University Avenue Church of Christ 
right in the downtown area, North uh, camp, Campus area, UT Campus, and God just provided one time after the other. There was another incident where it happened with the, the Dittmar Rec Center. Again, they were without water for hours and maybe extending well beyond that and uh, didn't even have access to porta potties, having to mobilize about 50 or 60 people, call in uh, Point Community Church down in the South Austin area. He's like, send them. Yeah, man, we're ready for them. Aww. We'll care for them. We'll love on them. And, uh, and God just did a marvelous work through his church. We know it took a whole lot more than those that represent his church on this network all across our city, each playing our part. But we're just so grateful we got to be a part of that story of bringing uh, really uh, restoration and, and wholeness and, and meeting provision, meeting need in that well, great moment. Steven, go ahead, Marlene. Uh, I'm sorry. I was actually snowbound and without electricity, without water. And wow. largely without walls <laughs> during the ice storm. So I'm, I'm real interested in this. And, and how far out did the network extend? In other words, were you in Georgetown or were you in some of the smaller communities around Austin? Or was it just the Austin metro? I mean, the Austin area itself? That's a great question. Oftentimes people hear Austin Disaster Relief Network. They think it's just Austin metro. Greater Austin is what we represent, which is the five counties that formally make up Greater Austin, Hayes, Williamson, Travis, uh, Caldwell and Bastrop, all the way to the edges of them. So we had eight churches open as warming shelters dispersed across various counties. And uh, I do remember uh, in, in one instance, you know, there was uh, when we were at the EOC, one of the key leaders of Capital Metro had come up to me. He's like, oh, you guys are Austin Disaster Relief Network? Y'all helped to get my mom to a shelter. And he's like, I've been so busy. My mom's been caught, you know, like, like I want to help my mom. And I wasn't even able to go pick Aww. her up to a shelter without power for who knows how long. And he said, uh, I called her earlier today. She's like, hey, I'm at this shelter. She's like, mom, how'd you get to the shelter? She's like, one of those guys at ADRN came and picked Aww, me that's up. That's amazing. And so just, just a remarkable thing yeah. that those who have stepped in to even lead in those key roles are having to make real sacrifices that even their family feels, and just to know how God provided for them along the way was really remarkable. Steve, I, I love that. I, I have a question for you. I mean, when you say that it's, you know, the body of Christ, these 200 Austin area churches coming together, so these smaller bodies of Christ coming together into the larger body of Christ to present a cohesive organization to help during these times, of disaster it reminds me of like the transformers all coming together <laughs> to make optimus prime you know and going and just saving everything and making such a huge difference Can, why is it so important for us as christians to be ready for disasters to step into those yeah. situations yeah absolutely well um i, I believe truly that crisis brings people to their knees. Crisis has a way of shaking things in our life that we didn't know were shakable. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it can be traumatizing. It, it can be absolutely traumatic. It can be life-changing. And when we read the scriptures as believers, Jesus is really clear um, about his father as he represents him, um, that God is near to the broken. Uh, he's He is among the hurting. And uh, his heart is towards them. He's compassionate towards them. In fact, when... He gives the Good Samaritan parable of um, this is what it means to love your neighbor. It's a, it's about coming upon someone who was robbed and left half for dead. This is what disaster does to people. Mm. In many cases, it's it's it comes like a thief. It comes in the night. It comes without warning, without expectation. Like how how many of these families uh, that were affected in Round Rock were okay the day before it happened? Right. Didn't need help. You know, life was singing along, and suddenly their their homes now in splinters, and they're wrestling what forward looks like, how powerful it is, and how necessary it is for for someone to come alongside of them in that moment. And I believe not only is the church of of Jesus Christ uniquely called to minister and 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 help the hurting and the broken, but we're uniquely positioned to do it. And uh, and I just believe that it's God's heart that we would do it together, uh, just by design. Which, you know, disasters have a way of just being beyond the reach of what any one church, no matter how large they might be, 
of being able to meet all the need that exists. So if if I was in a church that was interested in joining the network, what would you say to them so that they know what's ahead of them and how to get involved with your network? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, one of the things that I, I didn't touch on based on that last question, if I could go back to just a moment, sure. kind of why we need to help. I think if 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 disasters only came, you know, um, every 20 years, those those ideas of the hundred year floods, you know, it just seems like um, those those what used to be hundred year floods are happening with greater frequency. We see this. We see charts that show. Uh, disasters are on the rise all across the globe. And so one last thing that I would just really encourage any listener, church leader, somebody who belongs to a local church, a follower of Jesus, just to, to deeply consider is, is disasters are not going away. They, they're only increasing in their magnitude and in their frequency. And for us, uh, there's only an increasing necessity for us to have an answer to crisis. Uh, for us to not be caught flat-footed in that moment where our own family needs help, our own community needs help, to where we could really offer uh, significant help and hope in times of great need and crisis. And so back to, to your question of, you know, hey, let's say I'm a part of a church and I want to get more involved. How do I do that? Well, if I'm just if I'm just an individual in a church, you know, uh, you could go to uh, our website, ADRN.org, and uh, find ways to sign up as a volunteer and begin to come to our training. We have a basic training actually next Tuesday, uh, and um, and you can find that calendar on on our website um, to to sign up for these trainings. Our basic training is really the entry point into the who we are, what we do, and how people can engage, and some key elements that every believer we believe needs to know about when responding to crisis. So that would be a great entry point for an individual. For a church, there's also a place to go to on our website and express an interest to join. Um, and so we love to meet with church leaders and connect with them about um, just first steps as joining the network and then also um, what lies beyond that in the future. But uh, for any church that's considering that, in addition to meeting in person and maybe filling out a short join the network form and kind of agreeing with the statement of faith that's represented across this network of churches. Now, one of the real first steps that we would encourage church leadership to consider is who in your congregation could help lead out in a time of crisis that's not you. Just recognizing there's so much that might pull on church leadership at any given time, identifying volunteer leadership uh, within the church, what we call a disaster relief coordinator, um, is so essential, really, for that church to be able to step in and become more prepared to respond to disaster and to help mobilize their people in a time of need. Well, and I think when I, you know, when I think of uh, helping in a disaster, I go back to, uh, you know, Hurricane Harvey and physical labor, you know, going and, and helping people physically clean out their houses. But, but Stephen, that's, that's just a tiny, well, that's a part of it, but there's so yeah. many other ways people can help that are not Absolutely. physically demanding. Um, like you said, people are driving four-wheelers and helping out, and people are counseling and sitting and listening and talking and helping people find clothes that, that will fit their families. I mean, there's there's a ton of ways to get involved. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely there is. Yeah. So, and, and we need all of it, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's got something that they can bring to the table. That's what I love, right? Scripture tells us that, that not every member is created with the same functions and the same capabilities. Even the ones, the organs, right, in our body that are most hidden mm-hmm. are some of the most vital. And so mm-hmm. whether it's someone who wants to sit in our call center and answer the phones and oh, minister yeah. to people that are calling in or help connect resources or or um, those who, uh, like you said, want to help uh, sort donations and goods when they come in, help package mm-hmm. them and send them out to those in need, help provide logistical support, or be at the intake centers, meeting these people face-to-face, mm-hmm. um, kind of hearing their story and capturing their information, connecting mm-hmm. the resources, even the shepherding of families, which uh, I mentioned earlier can be such a transformational element to what we do, really coming alongside of and befriending these families over a few month windows to get uh, the pieces of the life put back together. All of it uh, is so significant. Even those that would choose to give financially and maybe mm-hmm. those feel restri- there's some that feel restricted to 
to participate in other ways, but they're like, you know what, I can invest in this. Mm-hmm. And, and that has a great impact and is needed just as much. And so, yeah, I just love the beauty of God and, and the way that he is intended for his church uh, to come together, that we all get to play our part and together we can have a greater impact than any one of us could do alone. Mm. I love that, investing in the lives of others. That's what we're called to do. I remember when I used to do corporate training earlier on in my career, I would, you know, just train people to do assessment centers and to be facilitators. And I can't tell you how many times I had um, team members come up to me and say, I use this in my personal life. The mm-hmm. training that I get here has helped me talk mm-hmm. to my husband better. It's helped me to understand my kids. And so I love when we're talking about all this training, about how to help others. It's amazing the impact that that training is going to have on your own personal life. And so I love that there's something here for everyone and that Austin Disaster Relief Network is not going to throw you in the mix Mm -hmm. and let you swim, but you're going to offer them training to really help them engage effectively. So, Stephen, what is Austin Disaster Relief Network preparing for now? What are your network of churches preparing for now? What are your next steps as an organization? Um, Well, uh, I'll tell you. In short, some of these events that have taken place in recent history, namely COVID and the winter storm, have really caused us to take a step back and evaluate our capability to respond to events that touch our whole city, Mm. Um, what we would call events that are leaning more towards a catastrophic level of impact. And back in 2017, God began to impress upon our hearts a desire to become a life-sustaining church network. And so that is what we're leaning into right now. And we feel like we've been given a timeline up to 2024 to do it. Um, so that's working together with churches to help them individually become life-sustaining to advance through levels of readiness based on volunteer leadership, highly skilled and trained volunteers to resources in place, as well as a greater collaboration and a connection between churches across different communities in the city. You know, I think preparing for the disasters of yesterday is no longer sufficient. You know, mm. we've seen again two events with, which formed lines in our local grocery stores that mm-hmm. affected key elements of infrastructure, namely power and, and water, certainly in some instances. And, and I think that we, we have to be prepared for the events that lie before us. And so that's what we're thinking about. We didn't know winter storm was coming. Nobody anticipated an event like that. And uh, and yet it had, mon- you know, just a, a monumental impact. And so what else might be coming that we're not anticipating as well? And while we don't know what the answer to that question is, we want to be prepared for it. I, I love that you're forward thinking and listening, friends. If you're thinking this segment is a little long, that's because it is. And we're going to take five more minutes here with uh, with Stephen um, because he's been so gracious with his time. Um, you know, Stephen, we just... We love the work that you guys do, and I like this forward thinking because, as you said, the disasters of yesterday, um, you know, preparing for those are no longer sufficient. Um, You know, we've had some crazy tornadoes here um, uh, this last spring, you know, not only the ones up in Gerald, but we had Round Rock and Salado. Um, just in this area, and that's not something that we've ever seen in this short amount of time because those all happened, I feel like, within four weeks of each other. I'm right. sure you guys were pretty slammed with helping families with those disasters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and uh, what was remarkable is that in both events that there were no deaths. I mean, that is just, that is uh, in some instances, rare. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just see that as the mercy of God. And one of the things that was so beautiful, just again, just about the fruit of churches working together that very night, uh, March 21st, when the first set of tornadoes came through and hit the Round Rock area, among the other places. I remember that very night, one of our churches on the network was already out in the neighborhoods helping uh, meet needs in that community. Wow. We celebrate that. And wow. by the next day, we heard of another church out there doing it, running again, to the streets mm. uh, that they knew were impacted in the homes of those in need. Mm. And so that's what it's about. It's about us working together to meet uh, the needs of our community. And we saw the initial cleanup efforts uh, just being so remarkable, the amount of volunteers. That first serve Saturday, um, I think there was over 500 volunteers that helped mobilize in the cleanup effort across the greater Round Rock area. 
And, uh, and since then, again, we've had multiple opportunity to assist in other ways, whether it be providing emergency financial assistance, uh, providing the emotional care, even providing longer-term support and connecting people with longer-term needs. And some of those longer-term needs are are very real physical needs. There are, mm-hmm. uh, we know of, I believe, about 30 structures that had no insurance. And while many oh. of them did, uh, those 30 families, you know, are really mm-hmm. wrestling through what, what is, um, what do we do from here? And so yeah. we're raising funds. We've been raising funds to help uh, resource those in that situation or those that lost vehicles and don't have insurance to replace them and um, uh, a host of other needs that have arisen through that. And then to your point, we see this other disaster uh, take place in the Salado area. And while it might not have touched as many homes, because over a thousand, not, not everybody knows that there were reports, the reports came out that over a thousand homes were impacted by those first couple of tornadoes on mm. March 21st. And it's just hard to believe over a thousand homes yeah. impacted. Different levels of impact for sure, but sure. a thousand homes touched by it. The, the more recent one, it wasn't as many homes, but the level of devastation was very high. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what was also beautiful, again, is just seeing the church at work, being able to partner with these relationships in the Salado area and the Texas Division of Emergency Management and other entities to really see some of these needs be met. Again, by the local community, by those willing to help, and by the local church. Stephen, I have a question for you personally because you just are amazing to me. You have such a strong mind, such a, just a stout heart, but just such a, a presence of peace. These disasters have got to affect you personally, being always on the go, always on call, you know, always the something next and knowing that there's going to be something next. Can you just share with us what what is your your greatest hope? What is it that keeps you going and loving others when the day is long and the door seems closed and your strength seems entirely insufficient for the task at hand? Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, it's keeping my eyes on Jesus. Mm -hmm. He is the only worthy one. He's done so much for me. And I think about in those moments, and we all face them, right? Those kind of those most challenging and stretching moments uh, that we face. Uh, just remembering the truth is his grace is sufficient and that his power is put on display and made evident through in and through weakness. And so even when I don't have all the answers um, and it's tough in those moments, um, I can rejoice <laughs> that I don't have to. But I serve the one who does, and he gives so much hope and so much strength where otherwise wouldn't have it. And remembering the call that God mm-hmm. gives on our lives. You know, when you're called by the Lord to something, um, then it's just like, Lord, you're the one that will call me into uh, something else if you want me there. And so unless you've called me somewhere else, God, I want to be faithful here for as long as you've put me here. Wow. Thank you, Stephen. We thank Stephen Brewer from Austin Disaster Relief Network for being with us. Friends, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with you on Love Talk right after this. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Love Talk with the Love Ladies. Coach Carrie Brinkader here in studio with Kathy Enderbrock and Marlene McMichael. Wow, we were just so blessed by Stephen Brewer, our guest on the previous segment, Associate Director of the Austin Disaster Relief Network. As soon as we we have this um, amazing technology here that Gavin hooks us up with. It's called Restream, and so... We could see Stephen, even though he was calling in from his office, working man, um, and we're all in the studio. And friends, as soon as we said goodbye to Stephen, well, well, he stayed on the line with us for a minute, and I said, Stephen, your face just lights up when you talk about Jesus. I think that came across on the airwaves because... His voice changed a little, and his Um. smile was so big, and he just lights up when he talks about Jesus. Well, and he responded, he goes, yeah, he's my favorite. He's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) And so not only that, but before... Before we, um, you know, hit the exit on the restream, you know, he could see us, we could see him. And he said, well, can I just pray for y'all, lady, for, for you ladies? And I, we've never had a guest do that. Never. never, never, never. And we have interviewed some incredible godly men who love the Lord. And I, and, and he, I just, it was wonderful. It was incredible. 
I'd like to draw us back to the key verse for today because it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And certainly... Austin Disaster Relief Network does that, and it is a vehicle for Christians to engage in letting their light shine in a in a family or a person's greatest hour of need. So that's mm-hmm. pretty amazing. You know, pastors, yeah. I would speak to you or church leaders who are listening to this message. You know, if you're thinking, wow, our you know our church does missions, we send people out, we go to foreign countries. I would say, hey, think about Jerusalem and Samaria, places that are a little bit closer to home. Um, And I would get on the Austin Disaster Relief Network site. It is simply ADRN.org. And go and look uh, look at that site and consider and pray about being one of those greater Austin area churches. I I love that that, um, Stephen said, look, Disasters are on the rise across the globe. It is The question is not, is there going to be another disaster? It is simply when, because disasters are increasing in magnitude and frequency, and we can certainly see that um, in the state of Texas, this beautiful, wonderful state. And so churches, if you want to do outreach, you know, I, I think it's wonderful to do really pretty sweet programs and women's teas and Christmas brunches. And I am all for that. I love those. I think we reach out and we connect women and, and community through those. But if you want to go do some really serious work of ministry with people that are desperate and in need and in shock who have just lost everything, you want to be one of those greater Austin area churches that connects with ADRN to make a difference in the lives of others. You know, um, I loved when Stephen was was talking about crisis and he said crisis shakes things in our lives that we didn't know were shakable. Yes. And that's true not only with just a natural disaster or a fire or something that happens to us, but that's true in a lot of areas of our lives. Crisis shakes things in our lives that we didn't know were shakable. And he quoted the verse that says that um, Christ is near to the brokenhearted. And, you know, it, it it's so nice to know that these people will come along beside not only with the physical support, but with the emotional support as well. And I think about in our family, right, like um, if my family got involved in Austin Disaster Relief Network, who would be driving the four-wheeler to go pick people up? (laughs) And who would be standing beside saying, how can I help you? Um, Do you need clothes? Do you need a gift card? Um, Would you like me to pray with you? Um, And just making that eye contact, making that heart contact. And, you know, Stephen said we all have different talents and abilities and Christ can use them in so many different ways. And ADRN can use them in so many different ways. Absolutely. And one of the things that um, he also said that really resonated with me is that we must have an answer to crisis you know and if the church doesn't have that answer who does Mm -hmm. i mean you can look at so many incidences where government really doesn't have the answer but if 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 jesus is the answer to all then the church must draw from jesus and Mm. become the answer to these people who are facing true disaster Mm. and it's coming it's crisis and we we Mm. face it in different ways and 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 it doesn't matter if you have a million-dollar home or a $20,000 home, although it probably isn't in Austin if it's a $20,000 <laughs> home. But it doesn't matter. When it's gone, all is gone, mm-hmm. and that's crisis. Mm-hmm. For sure. And um, so ADRN, Austin Disaster Relief Network, I've heard it advertised on other radio stations here in the Central Texas area. Remember, it's about a network of relationship. They will prepare you for training. They'll come along beside you if you need them. Um, and they, um, golly, they deploy trained volunteers 
in times of disaster, such as incident command, trauma and emotional care, chaplaincy, case management. They sponsor surviving families. Oh, I loved that. They have people in their network of churches, families, that will come along beside you even after all the helping hands have left and continue to minister to you and your family. Wow. Yeah, I love that. It's not just a Band-Aid approach. It is a holistic approach. I mean, that Mm -hmm. was, you know, Stephen said that, look, it's God is not just with us one time, you know, just to kiss the boo-boo and make it better. He is there for the entire healing process. And I love, and, you know, friends, the more churches that are involved, the more people are going to be able to have that support and to step in and to have that undergirding and I think that's that's what we need it's a beautiful thing and I'm thinking gosh how do we get this in every state in the union this is beautiful I you know coach Carrie and Marlene I think that in those places where the church withdraws the government is going to step in right and I love that um, Stephen and ADRN are saying oh no The church is stepping in. The church is stepping in. They are stepping forward. They are moving out. They are making connections. They are working with the police departments, the fire departments. And we are having the fire departments and the police departments calling the ADRN for help. How awesome would that be if your police chief was calling the local church to say, I need help help. You don't have to spend money on outreach. They're coming to you. I love that. I think this is the picture of how the church is meant to be. Well, and to wrap up today's program, I just want to go back to what Stephen said about his personal encounter with Jesus Christ and how he came to know that Jesus loves him. He cried out to the Lord in a time where he knew he was very far away, and he didn't even know if the Lord was going to answer. But, friends, we know the Lord's going to answer. And Stephen said, you know what? I remember at one point in my life that you said I could have abundant life, abundant life, and I want that. I want abundant life filled with joy and he said as soon as he gave his life over to the Lord, he started to see a transformation in the way, in his thoughts, which then transformed his actions. And he started to see his old desires begin to change. Friends, if you want that, if you want that, you can certainly call us on the love line at 512-644-7972. You can contact us through Facebook at Love Talk Radio, but I would encourage you highly to find a church today. Today's Saturday, and there's services today. There's services tomorrow. And I would encourage you to go in person so that you can be in community and and go face-to-face and eyeball-to-eyeball with with people who want to bring you into the Lord's community. Friends, we love you so much here on Love Talk. We're so grateful that you have chosen to spend your Saturday morning with us. For my co-hosts, Kathy Enderbrock and Marlene McMichael, I am Coach Carrie Brinkader, and we'll see you next time right here on Love Talk.